Speedway proudly presents Rapid on Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program is brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States, here's Rapid on Racing. Good evening, fans. Welcome to Rapping on Racing, July 6, 2020. Uh, joining me is co-host Dave Oliveri. Dave, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, Don. Busy weekend, so let's talk about it. Well, want to start off. Uh, our guests include Dustin Jarrett, Jack McNelly, Michael Norris, Christian Schneider, and Colin Burke. We have Victory Lane interviews with Eric Rudolph, Michael Bauer, Bubba Pollard, and Tyler Erb. We want to welcome Keith Bills from Kennard, West Virginia, and Randy Beckstrom from Frewsburg, New York, to the Rapinon Racing family. You know, Dave, a lot of, th- like you said, a lot of things going on. Uh, Lernerville uh, wrapped up their evening with a nice fireworks fireworks display. And, uh, you know, uh, Eric Rudolph, Michael Byer, uh, Greg Dabrowski, we even had a chance to talk to Greg's car owner, Ed Demi. Some of your thoughts on Friday at Lernerville. It was good, and a lot of, a lot of our to our listeners, you're going to hear that in the Learnerville report. But for Eric Rudolph, uh, he hadn't been there in like you know three or four years, and had a tremendous run. And you know, Michael Bauer uh, finally got the monkey off his back, and we'll let the listeners uh, hear that uh, interview. But we had a chance uh, up in the Dow Carnahan Media Center, Don, to uh, talk with. Uh, Ed, Ed Demi, Greg Dabrowski's car owner, and it was kind of like a, a little bit of homecoming. It was just some memories that you were sharing with him, and it was really the first opportunity that I got, Don, to really sit and meet Ed. He uh, buys and sells uh, sprint cars. He's a fanatic about that. He also collects photographs. I had him to the house a couple of years ago, and I have thousands of photographs from when I had RPM Magazine. 
I gave him a stack of sprint car photographs, had to be two inches high. He could tell me whose chassis it was, who built it, who raced it, who sponsored it. He's almost like a, a computer when it comes to sprint cars, his favorites being the Trevis chassis. And he's originally from Butler, but he lives in Moxville, North Carolina. But he's like me. He gets back and forth. And a uh, long time ago, he hooked up with the Dabrowski's and... Uh, Greg, who's having a lot of success in the 88 car, it's uh, Ed's car, and it's Sylvan Eastler's motor, and what a combination. It is, and we, we were joking. I said, I, I, I saw the 88, but I wasn't sure if it was Ed's car, because he changed the color on it, and he kind of told us the story behind that, and it, it, it made me chuckle a little bit. I was talking to John Thompson on Saturday, and his only complaint was, with Michael Bauer's first win... He said, we have champagne up in the press box. Somebody should have took it down there and sprayed it all over Michael and his crew. But, uh, hey, you know, uh, John was so busy, he, he would not have had an opportunity to fil- facilitate that. But when you talk to Michael and you got a really nice picture of him that uh, we're going to share, uh, what a great guy. It is. And, you know, him and his wife, Shannon, I mean, Two of the smartest individuals I probably know, but you know, talking about family, you know, with the firecracker weekend just concluding, uh, the Thompson family had you know the facility top notch COVID in, in action, and uh, again we talk about this every week, Don. But Dan Bauman and he's helping everybody now with track prep. Is as hot as it was, and the temperatures that we had, the traffic early track was in perfect condition yeah uh well john mcconnell was talking to the folks at latrobe and i guess they have a hole in turn one big enough to put a volkswagen in and he they asked john if he knew somebody he said yep they gave him bauman's phone number i was talking to dan after the races and i said uh i hope your hat's still gonna fit he said what do you mean i said you should have a big head because everybody i talk to is uh, just bragging about how nice you kept the track for lernerville and he just smiled he was eating a hot dog and uh, smiled and said, I, I'm doing the best I can, and the best he can is excellent. It is, and like you said, you know, helping out Latrobe, and I know earlier in the year he was up uh, helping at Tri-City, and it, that's the great thing about our sport, whether it's a racer, it's a fan, or it's an employee that maybe have a specialty, you know, for what Dan's doing, not only for Lernerville and other tracks, is he's certainly to be commended on. Someone gave him the nickname, the Dirt Whisperer. <laughs> I think it's appropriate, very appropriate. Yes. Fans, if you're just joining us, I'm talking to co-host Dave Oliveri. Uh, Let's shift gears. Uh, Saturday, we were up at Jennerstown, and you know the term all hands on deck really applies. I mean, Billy Rebar was everywhere. But uh, I I noticed Mike Reininger, the flagman, the regular flagman, and Mike Bellardi, the pit steward, were taking tickets because there was so many people and it was so busy that the term all hands on deck was very appropriate Saturday at Jennerstown. It is, and this was an event that uh, the Cars Tour actually uh, leased the track from Jennerstown, and you know, I had an opportunity to, you know, to talk with Jack McNally, and we're going to hear that interview later in the show, but you couldn't have, for an inaugural event on, I think expectations were high, but... You know, from the very beginning to the race itself to the ending, which I know you're going to talk about, um, the people from Cars, Jeg Series, uh, 
and just the owners and Billy Rebar and his staff at Jennerstown for for a first go around. It's not like it's their first rodeo. They do it with the Motor Mountain Masters. It was just a great evening for myself, for you, for the fans, and I know all their race teams because uh, – and we won't get into any particular drivers not to, to share some of the excitement, but they were excited about Jennerstown. And when you hear them being excited and that they want to come back for the Masters and if this event, which most likely is going to be held again next year, it just bodes uh, so much confidence and, and goodwill in the reputation that Billy and his staff is procuring at Jennerstown, Don. Amazing. It was good. It's always good to see Lenny Baticki, uh, but uh, he brought his wife and son with him. And actually, Jacob was working with the Pit Road TV crew. So uh, good to see them always. And then uh, Tony St- Tony Stevens and the Pit Road uh, TV crew doing an outstanding job. I mean, we've seen him in action before, and I thought it was uh, interesting. Teddy Gabala was doing some color commentary, and uh, I said, well, how do you like this? He said, well, I'd rather be racing, but this is cool. I had a chance to listen to some of the, the commentary, and, you know, Teddy being Teddy, he's a man of short words, but it was yeah. great to have his expertise and his insight on the racing. want to thank Larry Hemminger because the the uh, the tower was filled. Half of the room was Pit Road TV, and the other half was Thomas Automotive. And, uh, you know, I'm dealing with some sunskin issues and i asked if i could sit over there so uh he let us sit there and an excellent host he made sure that everything was taken care of occasionally would stop over and would talk about whatever uh just a great guy all three of the owners but uh, larry really went out of his way to make sure that i didn't get sunburned and deal with uh, some of these things i'm working on right now my uh, my dermatologist really worked me over but Anyway, then the, the, to wrap up the show, I was amazed. Okay, the fireworks came on, and they were playing songs while it was on. Well, they played six patriotic songs, and an average song is three minutes. So that's 18 to 20-minute fireworks display, and I understand the guy that did them is a local guy. It, that's what I heard, too. And, you know, I had the chance during that whole fireworks presentation to – stand and talk with Larry Hemiger, just uh, some just things about the race that evening and, and, and the gentleman that uh, put off these fireworks in. I would put those fireworks up to, against any municipality for uh, for an event because I know the fans had still stayed and the people that were having a good time in the houses across from the track got to watch the fireworks. And like you said, with the music, it was just a wonderful way to end a perfect day, perfect weather, great racing, and then fireworks being patriotic. It was just a special evening, Don. Uh, you and I were talking before we went on the air about Kyle Larson. Wow. Yeah, I, I was going to, you know, since we're talking about Kyle Larson, I was going to do that in my wrap-up, but we'll just do it now. You know, I've had the opportunity to meet and interview Cal, and the role that he's on uh, and I saw a post from uh, Greg Willing on Facebook on, on Sunday, Dawn, and I, I think in since June his worst finish is a sixth. And, and in those 21 races, if you take the wins and the seconds and the indoor podiums, I think 
his average finish is like 1.2. It's, it's <laughs> and, amazing. Uh, you know, I wish the best for Cal. He's living. He always in his heart is a, is a dirt racer. And I'm just telling the listeners and our fans out there, if you get an opportunity where it's coming up here over at Sharon Speedway for the Blaney Memorial, which I think will be, or anywhere that this young man's going to be, go out and see him because he is, uh, him and his car over Paul Silver are accomplishing things that Don, I don't even think back in the Blaney days and uh, the, the the guys that ran sprints in, in the early years are being able to attain his achievements that he's been in the last past month. You mentioned the Lou Blaney Memorial. We will be venturing down there for that race, uh, one of the premier races at Sharon every year, and just uh, a tribute to one of the finest gentlemen that ever drove a race car. And I think that's true, and I think one of the things that we do, and I, I, I hope the Blaney's will put this out again, and they ask the fans to... Uh, bring a Blaney t-shirt or wear, I should say, wear a Blaney t-shirt. Now, now I'll have mine on, you'll have yours on. And it's just, uh, like you said, one of the nicest racers and people you'd ever want to meet. And, and Kate, along with, you know, Dave and Dale and now Ryan are just following in loose footsteps. You will not find a finer family in the country. Hey, uh, Dave, we're, uh, you got any closing thoughts? And then we've got to wrap this up. No, no closing thoughts. Uh, uh, just um, uh, as always, we want to thank our marketing partners, Alternative Powder Source, uh, Number One Cochrane Automotive, Third Monthly Magazine, Jennerstown Speedway, along with Lernerville Speedway, Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, RPS Financial Solutions, Speedway Directory, and Toma Meat Market. Also, if you miss any of Monday's program, it's on 24-7, 365. You can hear it anytime. Uh, um, we want to thank our reporters, Lenny Baticki, Bill Korch, Tom Lang, Mike Lisikoski, Dave, who went from reporter to co-host, and Jim Zufall. And special thanks to our senior engineers and our technical advisors, Bill Korch, Ted Lusick, Aaron Zufall, and Gary Scott, along with Bob Miller, our multimedia data collection facilitator. Dave, I want to thank you. You have a nice evening. You do the same as well, Don. Here is a brief article submitted to the quarterly Bulge Bugle by Lester R. King of the 643rd Tank Destroyer Battalion. The article is entitled, The Ghost of a Soldier. The setting is the Battle of the Bulge. It could apply today. If you can, visualize the ghost of a paratrooper somewhere in the bulge on Christmas Eve of 1944 as he clutches his M1 rifle with frostbitten fingers. He stands with frostbitten feet, knee-deep in snow, weak from a lack of nourishing food, fatally wounded by shrapnel from German artillery shells, and deeply heartsick from the eternity between him and his loved ones. He is thoroughly sickened at heart by the widespread killing and the carnage of battle. He looks at us through lifeless eyes, inflamed with anger and disgust. He speaks slowly to us through clenched teeth. I died for your birthright, bestowed by your forefathers in the Constitution. And now you allow school boards to graduate many of your children too illiterate to comprehend its meaning? 
I left my family alone and heartbroken to guarantee your freedom of speech, and you remain silent on controversial issues because you're afraid to offend. I fought in the freezing hell of the Ardennes for your freedom to vote, and you stay home because the line is too long or the weather is bad. I orphaned my children to ensure you a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and now you allowed it to steal your democracy from you? It is I, the soldier, not your congressman, who grants you freedom of expression. It is I, the soldier, not the president, who tolerated your freedom to choose your soulmate. It is I, the soldier, not the attorney general, who demands that your protection granted by the Bill of Rights is honored. It is I, the soldier, not the clergyman or rabbi, who provides you the right to worship whomever, however you wish. It is I, the soldier, not the political activist who allows you the right to demonstrate. And it is I, the soldier, who follows the flag, who fights for the flag, and whose dead body is embraced by the flag, who permits the protester to burn the beloved stars and stripes. And it is, for damn sure, just about time you did something about it. Finally, I would like to say that the greatest honor that ever came my way was the honor and privilege of serving my country in time of need. This is the Banker Bob Thought for July 6th. People often claim to hunger for truth, but they seldom like the taste when it's served up. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. Number One Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, Number One Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopol. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran, 
when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochrane sales and service, go to Cochrane.com. This portion of Rappin' on Racing is brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, Jennerstown.org. Bubba Pollard, one half mile separating himself from victory in the inaugural Thomas Automotive 300. He led multiple times over the course of the night, and when the money was on the line, he checked out through turns three and four. Bubba Pollard will win his second consecutive Solid Rock Cars Tour win, paying this one will pay $20,000. And the Thomas Automotive American Freedom 300, Pollard to Edelbrock Victory Lane, Sammy Smith, Jake Garcia, Tate Fogelman, and Chris Davidson were the top five. And here he comes out of the car of Victor in the Thomas Automotive American Freedom 300. Bubba Pollard, 20 grand richer here at Jennerstown. I don't know what to ask you other than how bad were you saving right there because that looked like a dream race car for especially the last half of that race. When did you know how good that race car really was? Uh, man, we, we, we fixed it this morning uh, during practice. Worked on a few things, got it right. Um, man, I can't thank these guys enough. For all their hard work i mean it's been hot we've been on the road for the last couple months and um man i tell you the difference in winning this weekend was having brand earth here to uh to get what i needed to drive over that bump in three and there's a little bump over there almost getting in the middle of three and four right there that we needed to be better and that's uh i feel like that's where we could we could drive the car hard get over the bump there and uh we just worked on shocks uh pretty pretty much since we got here, so uh, I can't thank them enough and all their hard work, but yeah, it's a fun race, man. I, I enjoy this place. First time ever being here. Uh, racy place, move around. Um, I like it. Hopefully we can come back and, and try it again, so uh, thanks for the fans for coming out on the 4th of July. I know it's a, a holiday, but we're glad you're at the racetrack. Well, you led me into another question I had. In about five weeks' time, they're giving away ten grand here in a pro late model for the Motor Mountain Masters. Can Bubba make it 30 grand at Jennerstown this year? Uh, we sure hope so. We're going to try. Uh, there's, some, there's a lot of racing going up, uh, coming up the next couple of weeks. We're going to go to Wisconsin on Tuesday and, and sit, run the Slinger Nationals. And if we got anything left, we might be here. Uh, it's, it's, you know, we're, hopefully we don't run out of cars. Well, that, that's usually important. You've got to have race cars. But you've got a big season now, two big wins, pursuing possibly a career-earning milestone in the Cars Tour. What's next for Bubba Pollard and the Solid Rock Carriers Cars Tour? There's still a lot of racing to go. What have you got left to accomplish this year? Oh, we just got to keep winning. Uh, that's it. That's the, only, that's, the, that's the goal when we go to the racetrack uh, is win. And uh, I got a team capable of winning each and every week, no matter where we go across the country. And, and uh, that's what all these guys have built. I mean, they, they are, they're the hard worker. They're, they're the ones behind it. So I just can't thank all my sponsors enough. Uh, Harrisonsworkwear.com for what he's done for me the last couple of years. Uh, I just everyone get online, check them out. Uh, been a big, big uh, supporter for for our race team. I can't thank them enough. But racing radios, Ernest Performance Shocks, um, race car engineering, PFC brakes, five star bodies, uh, HP Elite racing engines. What better uh, racing engines uh, out there than than Jeff Hamner? Uh, they do a great job. So uh, just um, just everybody on the side of this car, Tilton, um, Strange Oval. Uh, TM Ranch, uh, all those guys, just just everybody that makes it apart so I can travel up and down the road to, to win these races is pretty cool. And now.
Now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. All right, fans, joining us now is Bill Rebar, probably the happiest man at the Jennerstown Speedway. Bill, I don't know how to describe it. How about amazing, awesome, unbelievable, very successful? Pick one. Uh, let's go with all the above, Don. Yeah. Uh, what a weekend. Yeah, the I mean, the cars, the people, the, you know, the racing. Uh, I mean, just, I, I know, just thank goodness that you have these runners that bring food up to the, uh, to the, the, uh, the booths because uh, the lines were unbelievable. Yeah, it was just, you know, you mentioned all those different adjectives there of what the night was, and it's hard to put it into words because, I spent the last four and a half days living on the Speedway property, and I felt like I was there for about six hours because everything moved. Everything was as efficient as possible. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to two things for a long time, and I know I've said this a few other times, but I've never said it on the show, is I had two long-term goals for the last six years. One was to host a will-and-modified tour race at Jennerstown Speedway, and second was to host a large-scale super late-model race at the Jennerstown Speedway. Never did I think I would accomplish both in the same year, let alone a less than a month apart, um, and have the tremendous success that we did at both of those events and get to have another Wheel and Modified race on Saturday, August 22nd. So uh, everything happens for a reason. Timing's everything. Whatever you want to say, but it's happening at Jennerstown Speedway. Well, you're going to have other series calling you up and say, hey, can we get a race there? Because the nationwide recognition from the pit road TV, uh, I mean, how many people got to to see that race? And they're saying, wow. Well, you mentioned series, and I have worked with a lot of people in the last six years, and I've worked with some wonderful people. Jim Hanks in the Mussy Racing Series, Jimmy Wilson at the Willow Modified Series. Uh, there's no I can't say anything more about what this past weekend has meant. Everyone I've dealt with at Jennerstown Speedway has been such a great experience. And Jack McNelly and his group at the Cars Tour, his officiating staff, uh, Glenn Luckett and Greg Wood from Jake's All-Stars Tour Series, it was like we've been working together for 15 years. Everybody meshed. Uh, it's amazing to put off a program of this scale with literally never hardly meeting in person until the day before the event and pulling this off the way those guys have done. My hat's off to them. Uh, they made us look good. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> well, how about the driver's response or the car owner's response? They love the place. Yeah, I mean, I, I everyone thinks maybe it's, a, it's an ego thing, and it's not. I can tell you I'm probably one of the most humble people there is in the sport. But when the number one thing on Facebook is, is the hospitality at Jennerstown Speedway. They don't even mention a race for a while because they're just blown away. It's the facility, the way it looks, how welcome they are, how well they're treated. And the next question is, when are we coming back? Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the big day. Well, you know, they they all came in on Friday. Uh, some drivers chose to come on Thursday to get some private testing in. Gates opened on Friday, and I'm sure you saw the drone footage. If you haven't seen the drone footage, go to our Facebook page or the Cars Racing Tour. They were lined up four wide the whole way down the backstretch crossover gate. They were lined up two deep the whole way through the main parking lot. It was like the biggest parade of NASCAR haulers you could imagine at the Jennerstown Speedway. So if that didn't get the juices and the blood flowing, nothing was going to. Had a great day of practice on Friday. Very few people had any mechanical issues whatsoever, so it set the stage for a great way to kick off the day on Saturday. 
And, um, you know, the, the series does things a little bit different. It's, it's more of what you would see at the cup level where the gate opens at the same time for everyone and then the garage opens, meaning they can start unloading. So it really makes the day progress and go very fast because it's, it's regimented to, you know, different checkpoints. Uh, all the drivers were able to pass through their safety inspection and their technical inspection. And next thing you knew, we were qualifying. It's like you couldn't realize how fast the day went. And, my God, Don, these guys just put their heart and souls into these race cars. And they, not only are they beautiful, they're just wicked fast. What really amazed me is several of the drivers ran both races, 100 laps and then 200 laps. Yeah, I believe there was five drivers that chose to do double duty. Uh, Matt Craig being one of them, Stephen Nassie, who's one of the top late model drivers in the country. Um, it's escaping my mind a couple of the other ones that did it as well. But they say that running the pro late model first helps them get uh, – oh, Josh Brock was another one. Uh, they they like that extra advantage of that seat time to see how the car will react under 100 laps uh, to help them make adjustments whenever they get into their super late model race. And, you know, folks, they may look the same, but there are so many distinct differences between a pro late model and a super late model. And the number one is the sound. Am I right, Don? Right, exactly. And you're talking 650-plus horsepower, and you put 24 of those out at the same time, it sounds like a, you're three feet from the airport when the jets are taken <laughs> off. So the, the smell, the feel, the sound, absolutely amazing experience coming to the green flag here at Jennerstown Speedway yesterday. You know, Bubba Pollard uh, ended up winning the race, but early on there he was, you know, in the top five, but he wasn't leading. But when when the chips were dying, he was there. Well, if anyone missed it, you can go back to Pit Road TV and uh, purchase a subscription and watch the replay, and I can tell you it's money well spent. That was one of the most raciest, super late model races that I can recall in some time. And the Pit Road TV, Tony Stevens, Lenny Baticki, Brian Nagy, the whole crew did an amazing job capturing the action of Jennerstown Speedway. Uh, Trevor Knowles, who drives for Donnie Wilson, had a rocket ship set the fast time cut a tire going into turn three well there were six cameras on the property they actually were on his car from two different camera angles when he cut the tire you see the sparks flying thank god trevor was okay one of the hardest licks you could possibly ask for almost rolled the car over um extend our thank you to the jennerstown volunteer fire department for their quick response medstar helicopter was there it just it's amazing to be a part of Jennerstown to not only have the facility but have such great people surrounding us for such a big event. I I was impressed. I mean, I I knew it was going to be a good show, but I think it even uh, it surpassed my expectations. And uh, one of the things that I was really impressed by, well, before I get to that, uh, one of your color commentators, uh, Teddy Gabala, doing a nice job. And, you know, that would be intimidating for a guy that never did that before, but Seemed like he caught on real quick. Yeah, you know, I actually call him Teddy. I don't know what to say, Gabala, but you know, hats off to Teddy. He did a great job. Once he got loosened up, he he provided a lot to it, and I love it. I think it's a great idea to have a local driver at an event like this. So hats off to Teddy. Uh, we've been sending him messages here all day that he did a great job over the weekend. Tell the listeners about the uh, spotter. The guy came in and needed a spotter, and uh, explain how that all came to be. Well, you know, I sound cliche by saying it all the time, but racing is amazing, the amount of people you meet because of racing. You know, I met you, I met Lenny Baticki through you, and, you know, grew up watching Bobby Henry, and Bobby Henry has become a very good friend of mine. I should say the legendary Hall of Fame Bobby Henry. 
And uh, after retiring and hanging up the helmet, Bobby has become a spotter at Jennerstown Speedway for Zane Farrell. And Mike Sweeney, who I've met a handful of times, primarily runs at Mahoning, has the all-time leading late model wins there, runs Evergreen. He ran last year at the Masters, fell in love with Jennerstown Speedway, decided he was going to run the July 4th race, as well as the Motor Mountain Masters here in a few weeks, and possibly a pretty full season with us next year. Didn't have a spotter. They had a crew, but they didn't have a spotter. He said, can you find me one? So I dial up Bobby Henry, and uh, apparently he's a spotter for hire now. And, you know, Mike's a great guy. And I told him, I said, Bobby's a good spotter. Never did I think he'd climb out of the car and say he's the best spotter he had in 20 years. And, you know, Bobby's got a pretty big old head. I don't think we're going to be able to find a hat to fit him now. <laughs> and, and how about the uh, phone message that you developed for him? Yeah, I, I, I need to hack into the system. If anybody's friends with Bobby Henry on Facebook, uh, go on there and listen to he now has a, a call center. You can call for autographs. You can set up spotting sections. <laughs> uh, you can have set seminars, you know, meet and greets, all that through a dial by entry logo there for Bobby Henry. You know, uh, after the show was over, I, I thought, well, I'm going to hang out here for the fireworks. And I was impressed because they were playing these patriotic songs while they were putting the fireworks up. And I kept track of the songs. There were six songs. Now, an average song is three minutes. So that's like 18 to 20 minutes of fireworks. Better than a lot of the boroughs and towns and people all up and down Route 30. I mean, it was just amazing the job that man did. Yes, Jack McNally hired some of the best of the business with uh, little big shots there out of Confluence, Pennsylvania. It was about a 20-minute fireworks display. And, you know, since you mentioned it, Don, my phone rang. At like 11.45 from the, the voicemail, and I'm not going to lie, at 11.45 I was pretty busy, and I, I let it go. And uh, the sweetest little old lady from the borough called and said it was the most spectacular fireworks display she's ever seen. Can't thank us enough for reopening Jennerstown Speedway and putting Jennerstown back. Like, boy, to cap off your day, what a phone call to get. So we love the community of Jennerstown. We appreciate their support. And I can tell you, you know, early on in the year, I told you my goal this year was to get the national attention back on Jennerstown Speedway. And by golly, I think we've already done it. We're going to continue to do that and keep growing these events. Big time, big time. Okay, what's coming up this Saturday? This Saturday will be Saturday, July 11th, sponsored by the Somerset Trust Company. It will be First Responders Appreciation Night. All first responders with proper identification, which could just be a hat, a T-shirt, or a card, will receive free admission to the Speedway. Uh, if anyone's interested in some complimentary tickets, go visit one of the 39, I believe it is now. It could possibly be 40. They're popping like rabbits around the area. Uh, our wonderful friends at Somerset Trust Company have tickets available, courtesy passes for this Saturday, July 11th, Jennerstown Speedway. Five divisions of asphalt racing action, plus an Enduro that was just added. It's the makeup from June 27th. It'll be the uh, 75 lap Enduro, sponsored by Shane Schaefer Incorporated. Our good friends over there, Shane Schaefer, is going to sponsor the Enduro for a makeup. And, Don, we're doing something a little different. I want to point this out. We've always allowed four cylinders and six cylinders cars to compete in Enduro, but they were racing for the same prize. Well, after looking at it, we decided to try something different this year. We're going to run them at the same time. The six cylinders will be designated with some reflective tape but they'll be racing for two trophies. So there'll be a four-cylinder class 
racing against the six-cylinder class at the same time with two different wins. So we can't wait to see how that's going to play out this year. We think this is going to resonate with a lot of guys that, you know, know what you're racing against, and we think it's going to really build the Enduro class at Jennerstown. Well, that's how the sports car clubs do it. You know, they'll run mo- multiple classes. That seems like a great idea. Well, Yeah, in- we kind of actually took that. My buddy Matt Shinovsky there, he's big into iRacing and runs a lot of off-road courses and, like you're saying, the sports cars. And we're like, hey, why can't we do this with this? So that's what we're going to give it a try. So it's been pretty well received, so we're excited to see how many Enduro cars show up. We're talking to Billy Rebar from the Jennerstein Speedway. Bill, any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to add? I just want to once again reiterate that we cannot thank everyone involved at the Jennerstown Speedway. Matt Shinovsky, my uh, PR guy, my social media, um, Louise and Jared Adams, who are my new photographers, Benji Hujok, everyone that helps make Jennerstown Speedway from behind the scenes, folks. Uh, you know, it's an army to do this. It really does. Our concession workers, our owners, I am so proud of what we're accomplishing under the given circumstances in this country, and we're going to continue to push forward to make Jennerstown Speedway the top of the map again, and I think we're on our way to do so. Well, you mentioned an army. A couple of your soldiers, which surprised me, your flagman and your pit <laughs> steward, were taking tickets. I mean, all hands on yeah. deck. It, it, these guys will do whatever it takes. Um, real quick story here. It, this just makes my day. Craig Epley, who's probably the hardest worker at the Speedway uh, on a Saturday night, he has about four or five different hats to wear, sells tires, pumps fuel, does this. I mean, Craig is just my rock. I could not do it without this man. And he was pumping fuel for the cars tour both days. So I look over at the fuel truck, and Craig's not there. I'm like, okay, did he get sick? Did something happen? Who's watching this? And I start panicking. Well, as I get closer, I see something moving in a tool cat, which is kind of like a bobcat. And I see somebody in there moving. Here's Craig. It was so dang hot. It was 150 degrees. Craig was smart enough. He's sitting in the tool cat right next to the fuel pumps with the AC around. And I'm like, you know what? He was born in the dark, but it wasn't last night. So, um Great group of people, Don. They'll do absolutely anything to make the Speedway succeed. You know, in a couple of weeks here, we have uh, the big all-star monster truck tour coming on July 25th. Tickets are still available. Adults are $20. Kids uh, are $10. And everybody, all the officials jumping on board. Last year, we had a huge parking crew, my cleanup guys. I mean, I could go on all night, the people that deserve thanks. And, you know, it, it's a team effort. It's not one person. I will never take credit for anything anyone else does. It takes every one of us to make this happen. Bill, an excellent event. Uh, It was a pleasure to be there. I congratulate you on that, and I can't wait for the next big race. Well, sir, I can tell you, talking to Mr. McNally here, uh, we'll be scheduling something here hopefully for next season to top what we did this year. So can't wait. Thank you. You have a good evening. You do the same, Don. No one covers motorsports like Rapid on Racing. For nearly 40 years, Rapid on Racing has provided the best in motorsports information with knowledgeable and veteran reporters who cover all forms of racing. Weekly reports include local dirt and asphalt racing from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, plus the All-Stars, IndyCar, IHRA, Lucas Oil Late Models, NASCAR, NHRA, Rush, USAC, and the World of Outlaws. Listeners get the latest breaking motorsports news. The show features special guests, local track reports, driver interviews, and listeners' emails. The host of Rapid on Racing is Don Gamble, a former driver and track promoter 
Don brings a wealth of racing knowledge to the program every week. Quite frankly, there's no other program like it on the air today. Rapid on Racing. Why not be a part of the weekly action? And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri. We're at Jennerstown Speedway for the Thomas Automotive American Freedom 300. With us is Jack McNally. Jack, welcome back to uh, Pennsylvania. Longtime resident here, you know, now in North Carolina. A lot of memories here at Jennerstown and at Motordrome, but let's talk about the race that's coming up uh, this afternoon into this evening. Some of the best of the best late model guys in here in Billy Rebar in the, in the management here at Jennerstown Speedway is just doing phenomenal things. So maybe just uh, up, uh, give some insight to the listeners on how all this became about because this isn't something that just happens overnight. Well, I, I, I've always wanted to have a marquee event. Uh, and to be honest with you, in the Carolinas and Georgia, we do not have a uh, beautiful speedway like this. Uh, we don't have big half-mile racetracks. Most of ours are four-tenths or a quarter. Uh, I knew that the event that I wanted to have had to have had to have a half-mile racetrack and it had to have three or four, five, six thousand fans. Uh, so I did a little soul searching. I knew that they had reopened Jennerstown here two years ago. I reached out and Bill Rebar got back to me right away. We started talking about it. I told him what I was looking for, and uh, that was back in August. And uh, after that, we just kept making plans and making plans and putting things out there. And today, we've got we had 26 super late models of the best in the country. We have lost two. We're going to start 24. Uh, and then CRA partnered in with me, uh, Champion Racing Association, out of the Midwest and they brought their JEGS cars for a support race. So they'll be running for 100 laps, or super lates will run for 200 green flag laps. Again, you talk, Jack, you're talking about the smaller, I don't want to say bull rings, but one of the things I've been, I've been following, and you've been here since Wednesday, they say this track is somewhat flat. Now, I don't know what they're like back you know, in the south and out in the Midwest. To me, it's got some banking, but... The huge half mile, what made that so intriguing for you to find a track this size? Well, the, the, the big super racers, they like speed. I mean, that's what those cars are built for. And uh, to put them on a half mile, a big wide half mile, now you're, it, it's true, it, it's not banked quite as much as a couple of the bigger tracks. I mean, Winchester is crazily banked. And the Five Flags down in Pensacola, uh, it's banked more than this one. I believe this is 9 degrees. Pensacola's uh, 13 or 14 degrees. So it's not huge difference, but it's, you know, it, it has character. It has a couple bumps in it. And, uh, you know, every driver I've talked to just loves it. Well, I mean, we always have that bump and it's kind of coming out across the back way in three and, in three and four. And that's been there when you were here. Yeah. And again, the amazing part, I had a chance a couple weeks ago to ride around the track uh, with Tony Stevens. And for a track that 
has a surface that's 20 years old. If you told the majority of your drivers this was only this was paved five years ago, they'd said they'd believe it. But 20, unbelievable for again for you being a resident here for so many years. We know up in the mountains of Western Pennsylvania, we get some pretty bad weather. Well, I'll tell you I, what. What got me was the fact that this place is closed for six years. Usually, when that happens down you know it goes down and down and down now i'm not saying it probably didn't which to uh bill rebar and the owner's credit they have come in here and they've brought this place back to life for sure and i think one of the things that's really put it on the map is last year uh that, which would be the second year of the masters I think that opened up Jenner's talent to not only people such as yourself, Jack, but to the racers out there because there's a buzz. And then on top of that, we're going to talk about the purse the, uh, this evening, a $20,000 to win purse. Now, I know the Snowball Derby, may, or there may be one or two out there that pay more, but to have an inaugural event back home here in Pennsylvania, 20000 to win. That's why you have the driver turnout that you do. Well, 20000 to win, and, and last place pays 1200 So uh, it is a purse. Well, it's a $75,000 purse just for the Supers. Uh, add in the JEGS tour, and we're our two purses will be over $100,000 here tonight. And that's a $5,000 to win for a pro late model or a crate, whatever yeah. you want to call it. That's big, big money. And uh, as, I, as we sit here doing this interview and I'm watching the stands, you know, it, it's the people in the stands that make this all possible. Yes, uh, the car owners and the sponsors and all that sort of thing. But if we don't have butts in the seats, we can't, we can't offer this. So it was kind of a leap of faith, if you will. But Billy told me if we brought our show here, he could almost guarantee us a crowd. And by golly, I believe they're going to have one. We are in, in this crazy time, Jack, with COVID, especially in the state of Pennsylvania. We don't know. And, and when you talk to people, whether it's an organization, a driver, a promoter, you don't know what our governor is going to do day to day, let week to week. And, you know, so you picked a, a beautiful Fourth of July weekend. Fortunately, in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, we're open up and we can race. We're blessed. There's so many states down south and out in the Midwest that are just still shuttered. Well, North Carolina, where we come from, is one of them. We, we, you know, there's no way we could have this event in North Carolina. So, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and the folks of Pennsylvania, you know, they're doing things right. You're keeping it open and you're able to enjoy it. Uh, down in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, they're just locking things. Florida, just lock tight, lock tight. You know, some of the drivers tonight, uh, they're going to be actually be doing double duty, which is a testament to, uh, you know, both series. But, you know, just to, to wrap things up, we've had perfect weather here in western Pennsylvania to have the a perfect weather scenario. Actually, as we're sitting in, in the shade doing this interview, it's probably actually too hot, and we probably would never say that. But, uh, you know, for the first race here, you know, expectations just got to be incredibly high. It is. Uh when I took a look at the weather, you know, two weeks ago, I thought, okay, it looks good now, but it's probably going to change. It hasn't changed one bit. It's still perfect, and I'm, we're, what, three hours away from green flag, so I think we're home free. Yeah, when you start to see grass brown out in western Pennsylvania in, in, in the first part of July, uh, it's a scary thing. But, uh, Jack, just, just any, you know, closing thoughts, just uh just what you've anticipated this week and then when we're going to have in the future, hopefully. 
Well, no. I mean, a lot of people have asked, are we going to come back and do this again? Uh, I see no reason why we can't and shouldn't. Uh, As I said at the beginning of the interview, I wanted to have and and still do want to have a marquee event, and this can very well be our marquee event. And and to come back here to Jennerstown, a beautiful facility, great people to work with, fan support, which is turning out here early. there's no reason we won't be back next July. Doesn't get any better for 4th of July. Fans in the stands, beautiful weather, a strong field of cars. Well, Jack and Nelly, thank you for joining us on Wrapping on Racing, and we're looking for a great evening of racing. Okay, thank you, David. This portion of Wrapping on Racing was brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, jennerstown.org. Talking with Eric Rudolph. Eric Rudolph, it's been quite some time since you've been at Lernerville Speedway. You're here for the BRP Tour. Drivers from upstate New York this year, by this time you'd probably have 30 to 40 races in. I think you probably, since January, you've had a handful in. And with the season, you probably got maybe 10 in so far. So from a driver's standpoint, for someone that's not, you know, running, you know, three to four days a week, how how big of an adjustment has it been in, in this age of Corona? Uh, it's been a little bit of an adjustment. We're just, uh, you know, myself, I'm used to racing a bit more. And, uh, you know, the crew is too. So, you know, we put together a few races and uh, everyone's a little bit out of shape, including myself. But, uh, you know, things are starting to get back to normalized a little bit. So uh, things are starting to, you know, be rated as the way they should. I always ask this question, the difference between the 358 and, and the big block, is there really that much of a difference? A lot of times guys got both cars, but I know when I've talked to like Matt Williamson and those guys, they say really it, it's the difference is very minimal. Yeah, it's just the engine size. Uh, the handling is very same. You drive them the same. Uh, there might, there's slight differences like maybe, you know, an experienced driver might be able to feel, but it's mostly just engine size. For someone that's raced as, as many years as you have and you're still relatively young, you're only in your, in your late 20s, you have the amount of success you did with go-karts and the TQ midgets. Um, you've had some fun with, in this off-season to run those. Does it, by running those, Eric, does it help sharpen your skills any? I don't know if it sharpens my skills, but it, uh, I developed uh, maybe a, a few skills that no one else has the opportunity to make. And if they apply to the modifieds, I'm not really sure, but I'm, cert- I'm sure it doesn't hurt. You run a lot of different tracks, and you run the Super, uh, Super Dart Series. How different is it in the level of competition when you get into the Super Dart Series versus, say, even though some of the 358s are pretty stout, but that Super Dart Series is one heck of a series. Yeah, it's the, it's the uh, it's most competitive, uh, you know, modified series there is. Um, that's just the way it is. It's always has been, and I don't I don't see it changing anytime soon. Generally, with in, in with this division, you generally don't time trial that often. How important is to get a good heat race in to set that for the pill draw for the feature? 
Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's important to be fast right out of the trailer. Uh, you're fast out of the trailer, it makes everything so much easier. As we talked earlier, you, we, prior to the interview, you haven't been here for quite some time. And from a driver's standpoint, is there anything that you go back and to look at a notebook or you'll, you'll make that determination in hot laps? Uh, you know what, we just we just got a basic setup in and we'll, uh, we'll go out and practice and go from there. Running with the BRP, you do that occasionally. And right now, like we said, in, in, in these times of desperate measures, they're trying to get races in. Uh, you, know, you, you ran last night and now you're going to run here tonight at Lernerville in Tyler County. Uh, just, um, again, three nights this week, probably the first time this year. Uh, no, it's not the first time. Uh, like I said, it's things are starting to get normalized a little bit. Hopefully they stay this way and things things don't end just as quick as they started. From someone that's, you know, from New York, this border situation right now, not being able to get into Canada, either crossing it or coming back over, we have a lot of drivers that are kind of stuck over there, Matt Williamson being one of them. Uh, yeah, it's just, just how the times are. It's crazy times for everybody. Um... Uh, you know, uh, the future is unknown, and hopefully things get back to completely normal soon. I know when we were waiting to get the car tech, I, we were in line, I, I asked you, we don't know from day to day now, let alone week to week, where you're going to be. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, we just take week by week and make the smart decisions for our race team. Well, we welcome you back to, to Lernerville Speedway. We wish you best of luck tonight and hopefully we'll see that 25 parked in victory lane let's hope so we'll see what happens time will tell All right, fans, uh, Dave and I are going to cover the Lernerville results. You know, the, the full moon was in play on Friday night at Lernerville as the regular weekly racing program resumed with a different kind of Fab Four. The evening was highlighted by an appearance from the BRP Modified Tour where one of the hottest drivers in the big block modified world put on a performance that should be remembered for years to come. Eric Rudolph had already secured big block and 358 wins in the shortened season at various speedways geographic where it could be found. However, in eight career starts at the action track, he had yet to find victory lane until Friday. Don, we're now going to go to my interview with Eric in victory lane. We're in victory lane in tonight's winner of the BRP Modified Tour at Lernerville Speedway. Eric Rudolph, Eric, congratulations. Not the type of run that you'd wanted. Uh, lap five, uh, just after a caution, you got spun out, uh, running in third place, went all the way back to 26. The experience that you have, obviously you had another 30 laps to make up the distance, but how did you know at that point where you were going to just try to run the outside and pick them off just one by one? I mean, just going in the back like that, you don't really have any options as far as uh, a preferred line. You just got to go where, where the others aren't. Uh, you know, it's really discouraging to see that because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of cars that started tonight. I mean, there's a lot of good cars, too. I knew it would be tough. Um, but the car was really good, and uh, we were able to navigate traffic and get up to the front. When you when you see that, obviously, you know, as, you know, you know pacing through uh, the back of the field, like I said, you have to take a preferred line, and you got to run where people aren't. And most people were running the middle to the bottom, and you, you kind of – 
were picking them off up on the top, but you had a couple of timely cautions that seemed to help you out. Yeah, you know what? I, I was worried I was never going to get a caution, and, you know, I, I would have never been able to sniff the front, I don't think. But, um, you know, with a caution coming out and another caution, well, it was just the one caution that was really key for us. Without that, I don't think it would have happened. It actually happened right in front of me. I almost ran into the guy that spun out. When you worked your way all the way back up to the top five and you had Brian Garrett, then obviously, you know, you know, Rex was leading the race. At, at that point, when you see the leader, do you use like, I want to see like a, you're like a shark in the water, at least you could see it, it makes it a the goal a little bit more realistic? Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, I'm just passing, passing cars as they come. I, I had no idea what position I was in, and then <clears throat> when the caution came out, I'm like, wow, I'm actually, you know, somewhat near the front. You know, we still got a chance at it, and, you know, it's just one of the things where, you know, even even if you know you're not going to win, you're still going to run as hard as you can and try to win, or you know try to pick off as many spots as you can. Obviously, running to the top. Obviously, the tire combination that you pick seemed to be the right one for this evening. Uh, I think everyone's on the same tires here tonight. Um, you know, my my tire guy is one of the best here and in the modified ranks uh, as far as you know grinding tires and knowing what kind of sipes and this that and grinding that grinding and such he's uh he's one of the best there is if not the best and uh glad to have him glad to have my dad uh you know he's you know one of the smartest people anywhere we go and to have that in my back pocket and have that in my corner is a huge help like i said earlier this evening we had an interview how special it is to to win one here after all these years at lernerville uh you know it, it's it i didn't really wasn't really that optimistic coming here um, you know, I knew as we had a chance, but I knew it was really one, one of my best tracks. And, uh, you know, we just brought a little bit different of a setup here, and uh, it seemed to work. Let's talk about, I mean, we talked about your dad. You know, he does all your setups, and uh, you, you have a wealth of experience with him. But let's talk about your crew and, and some of the sponsors that help make this 25 go real fast. You know, I got lots of sponsors, uh, lots of supporters. Uh, you know, my big, my big ones are, you know, Revive Spine Center, Mohawk Northeast, and National Maintenance Contract Incorporation, and uh, obviously Blue Cross and Blue Shield. But, you know, we have a lot, of, a lot of other supporters and helpers that, you know, give us the opportunity to travel to some of these races and, um, you know, keep a good car under us, and uh, I can't thank everybody enough. Uh, second last night, the first night at Lernerville, off to Tyler County tomorrow. Any expectations at Tyler County? You've run there before, a little bit, totally different track size-wise with all the banking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I've ran well at Tyler County in the past. I hope to uh, have another good night there tomorrow, but uh, tomorrow's a new day. Every dog has his day, and um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Well, Eric, congratulations on the win here at Lernerville Speedway, and, and I hope you and your crew have a safe trip down to the Mountaineer State tomorrow. I appreciate it. Thank you. In the dirt car sprints, all eyes were on Dan Kerger from the drop of the green as he set the pace up front with a hard-charging Brandon Mattis ready to pounce on the slightest mistake in order to take the lead away. Behind them, Michael Bauer was driving a near-perfect race as he made his way around Mattis for second with 10 laps remaining and then took over the lead, went past Kerger to take the win. Bauer, he cruised to his first career victory at Lernerville, keeping the rest of the field behind him for the remainder of the race. We'll now go to Dave's interview with Michael Bauer. Joining us in victory lane is Michael Bauer. Michael Bauer, big evening tonight. You've won 
four career ra races at uh, Mercer Raceway Park. How special is it to any, we'll say, get the monkey off your back to have that first win at Lernerville Speedway? Uh, it's huge. Uh, I just, I would just say, never give up. Uh, we've been trying here for a long time now, and it uh, definitely feels great to get the win tonight. On a track tonight that I would say maybe played into your hands. I mean, you don't have the the big motor like all these other guys do. The track was smooth, but yet you you would have to really take the car up to the high side to gain momentum. How key was that to you once you got by Dan Kerriger with about 11 to go? Yeah, well, we had the bottom working pretty well tonight, and uh, actually we got a uh, we just got a bigger motor. Uh, Tim from HP has been helping us out, and uh, this is actually our first race here with that bigger motor, so it uh, really worked out for us tonight. Um, but, yeah, we were rolling the bottom. We had a restart there with about 10 to go, and I uh, was able to get by uh, Brandon in the middle on the restart in one and two. And then Dan was working well up top, but uh, we were just catching him a little bit coming off the bottom of four. So uh, that really just worked out for us. And then, well, you know, once we had the lead, then I was just thinking who else is coming and can we, uh, can we hold him off. But uh, we ran, you know, 10 smooth laps to the end and were able to pick up the W. I think with about four to go, coming out at turn four, I mean, you were coming through three, a car like decided to do a 360, but almost right in front of you. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really recall that. I know at the end there, though, we were coming up on some lap cars and uh, just trying to pick my way through there. And then uh, coming to the white flag, I was able to get under a lapper, and uh, that, I felt like that pretty much secured the win for us. Mike, when you... You see that white flag, and you know all the years that you've been doing this, and to get a win's tough enough, but to have it at Lernerville, what was going through your mind that last, you know, quarter mile? You're going through there, and it's like, this is in my grasp. I don't want to see a caution. Yeah, definitely was uh, really hopeful that uh, we wouldn't see a caution. And then, uh, other than that, just trying to stay focused and and hit our marks. The last thing you want to do was. Uh, you know, come off the bottom and get into the middle there and uh, give up a W. So uh, definitely good. Definitely was able to stay, stay concentrated. And uh, I really think we had a, a great car tonight. Really got to thank Shannon for uh, giving us a good piece. Yeah, that's, you don't always get those very often. Like I said, once you got in the lead, you, you kind of pulled away. You end up winning over by two seconds. But, Mike, let's talk about the people, your crew. We know your wife's a big, like it's usually just you two. Uh, but anybody else and some of your sponsors? Yeah, definitely got to thank uh, Shannon. Uh, she supports this program, and she's also, believe it or not, she's a crew chief, so she sets up the car and I drive it, and it's uh, been, been a combo that's been working well. Also got to thank everyone who comes to the track and helps, so that's Tyler, my cousin Casey, uh, my mom, and, and, and my friend Cameron. Uh, so it's like services, which is on the car. Um, and then folks who help us out, really got to thank uh, Tim from HP Engines. Um, and I got to thank um, uh, Slade Shocks as well. We've been running with them for a couple of years now, and, and their, their shocks really help us, uh, help us work well on slick tracks like this tonight. How special is it in your peers, Jackson and AJ, they came over after the race and congratulate you. Uh, they've had multiple wins here, track championships. You know, just to you know, pat Michael on the back, how good of a feeling was that? Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. And uh, I've been watching, you know, even before I started racing, I was watching Jack race. So uh, 
I always look up to him. I think he's a, you know, one of the best sprint car racers ever in Western PA. So uh, really awesome to have him come over. And then, yeah, of course, uh, I'm pretty good friends with uh, AJ. And to have him stop by and say good job, that, that felt great as well. Well, Michael, you got that first win at Lernerville. Hopefully there's more to come. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Um, we'll be at Tri-City on, on Sunday as well. Maybe we can uh, pick up a win there as well. Congratulations. All right, thank you very much. For the second week of the season, Joey Zambotti looked to have a trip to victory lane easily within his scraps in the pro stock action. But once again, he managed to spin with the lead in hand and opening the door for Tyler Dietz and Jason Fosnott to battle for the win Friday night. Dietz was able to keep Fosnott behind him during the remaining laps to garner the victory. It was amazing. They were back and forth, door to door, smooth, two smooth, clean drivers. And up until the uh, checkered flag, I wasn't really sure who was going to win it, but uh, Tyler did it. He did a nice job. He did. I had a chance to talk to him afterwards, I said. And the best part of that is we always say, Don, that is some of the best racing each and every week. But, you know, Tyler and Jason, it, there had to be with two to go, four restarts. And it was just an incredible. And like you said, uh, clean racing and a great finish for Tyler. After a pair of late race restarts and the Allegheny Sprint Tour action, Greg Dabrowski took the lead from the lead from a determined Logan McCandless around the halfway point of the 20-lap feature and never looked back en route to Victory Lane. Greg's car owner, as we mentioned earlier, Ed Demi, was up from North Carolina to enjoy the run. Don, Fab Four action returns this Friday at Lernerville Speedway with the dirt car sprints, the dirt car late models, big block modifieds, and the pro stocks. And once again, uh, John Thompson and his crew did an outstanding job, and we've mentioned it many, many times, Dan Bauman has that track in perfect condition. He does, and I, I, this will be a, a test this week, is it, as we look at the extended forecast, uh, there's like no moisture in sight, which is probably good for a race fan. But uh, for track preparation, uh, we'll see how Dan does this week. But uh, as you said earlier in the show, what's that nickname they gave him? The Dirt uh, Dirt Whisper. Dirt Whisper. I think we'll see his talents uh, displayed again this week, Don. Dave, I thank you. Good report. Thanks, Don, and uh, we'll see you Friday. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724 352 2020. That's 724 352 2020. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner 
who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A. J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C. J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. All right, fans, joining us now is Michael the Crusher Norris. Michael, good evening. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. I wanted to get your thoughts on the firecracker. Uh, I thought you had an exceptionally uh, good run there, but uh, some of your pers- – let's start with Thursday, and let's just run it right through to Saturday. On uh, I, I stopped on to see Dad and talk to him. You guys were busy the whole time. But let's pick up with Thursday. What was the scenario? Well, Thursday just qualified good and had a good heat race and uh, just – kind of made the wrong adjustment to the car for the feature and uh car was just a little bit too tight and uh just trying to make something happen on the top and ended up getting over the cushion a couple times and you know still ended up 10th so it wasn't a bad night but you know we knew we knew what we did wrong and just trying to make something into you know what wasn't going to happen you know what i mean so um it wasn't a terrible night but definitely could have been better then from Thursday to Friday, obviously you made some changes. I know you can't be specific, but were you happy with the changes, and did it put you where you wanted to be? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have a really balanced car, and uh, I think the track actually come to us a little bit more on Friday. You know, it was a lot slower, and, uh, you know, we were fighting kind of a tightness on Thursday and Friday being as slick as it was, we really didn't have to change much, just kind of go back to baseline. And, uh, it just, it really played in our favor, you know, how the track ended up for the feature, you know, with that line being way at the top like that. And just a lot of guys that don't run there a lot wouldn't go up there. So, you know, it just, it worked out for us and, you know, wish we had a couple more laps at the same time. Who knows? You know, something else might have happened. So we were happy with second, and it was a good kind of a redemption-type night, you know, for us and gave us a little bit more confidence going into Saturday. Now, Lernerville, uh, Dan Bauman did a wonderful job, took a lot of banking out of the turns. How did that affect your driving, and do you like it, or did you uh, would you rather it was back the, the way it was before you changed it? It's hard to say because with the tire change as well, you don't know which one affected the car more because with us having to run an open tire now it totally 
you know, that's a completely different tire, you know, the LM versus the, you know, open compounds that we're running now. So between the banking and that, you know, the car definitely felt a little different. Um, Friday, it felt really good, like kind of normal old Lernerville, but like Saturday, I noticed like the top wasn't as dominant, I guess, or, you know, the bottom, if anything, they were more equal, which doesn't play into my favor any, you know, because I, I definitely like running the top there. And, um, but if anything, hopefully it makes for better racing for the fans. So either way, like you said, he did a great job with all the weather we had and for it being really the second time anybody's been on that track, you know, it was really smooth all weekend. And uh, I felt like, you know, they gave us the best possible surface we could ask for, you know, circumstance-wise. I don't think anybody thought we were going to get the show in on Saturday. I mean, it was just so iffy with the rain off and on, off and on. But the Thompson family did a great job. And again, Dan Bauman had to track in perfect condition. Uh, let's talk about your uh, run on Saturday. Yeah, just uh, really good in the heat. I probably, should have left, I probably should have just left the car alone after the heat race. And we tweaked on it a little bit and figured... You know, we put a little harder tire on and uh, just could never get it rolling. I just, I wasn't good enough to really run with Cade there. Um, he kind of was able to get out and get into clean air, and then you can really dictate on where you run. And uh, then a couple restarts went by. I chose the top. I should have chose the bottom and just uh, kind of got shuffled back and never was able to really make another run at it. You know, we start getting in a rhythm, and then the caution would come out. And the, the bottom was still kind of slimy, you know, not wasn't totally dry you know but it was it was weird you know just different kind of learnerville than what i'm really used to the cushion was there but it was real fluffy you know and you couldn't really you get up into it and even like lanigan i saw he kind of got sucked into it and you couldn't really lean on it really hard you just blow through it so it really left you with like a lane off the top kind of running through the crumbs and then running around the bottom and we just we weren't quite good enough on the bottom and on the top we just run through them crumbs and you know, tire just didn't really light. And, uh, you know, it's funny to think that we were disappointed with a fifth place, but it's, you know, when you start on the front row of one of them deals and you don't capitalize on it, it really makes you wonder, you know, how many more opportunities am I going to get like that? And you really want to make the most of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at our whole weekend as a whole, you know, I feel like we were very consistent and, you know, real fast. So it's really nothing to hang our heads about. It's just, when you want something that bad and you have that good of an opportunity, you can't help but beat yourself up about it a little bit, you know? Well, I don't think you should because your fans have to be happy and proud of your efforts uh, for the firecracker. Fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Michael Norris about his experiences at the firecracker. Now, I'd like to uh, move into your plans for this season. I guess a lot of things are up in the air because it's several to tracks. Well, and, and what really amazed me about Lernerville, I mean, Two weeks ago, they didn't know they were going to open. They got a regular show in, and then they had a couple of days to get ready for the firecracker, and they pulled it off. And I think the fans had a, I mean, a wonderful time. You know, the camping, the racing, all the other things going on there. But with that said, now with the new season, uh, what's on the horizon uh, for Michael Norris? Well, it'll be kind of like the last couple of years, just going wherever we please. I think we're actually going to run the um, the blue O two car. Todd Serenza's car, I think we're going to run it some this weekend coming, um, and it's pretty much week by week. If we feel like racing, we're going to race. If not, um, 
you know, we'll hang around the house and get some stuff done or whatever. But uh, my uh, my brother-in-law is going to be getting, future brother-in-law is going to be getting married here soon. And, you know, it's that type of season coming up and that stuff, you know, being allowed again. So we're going to have a couple of weekends off here and there. But, you know, we'll we'll be around, that's for sure, just wherever we feel like going or wherever makes sense. You know, we got nothing written in stone, but there's so much uncertainty around us right now, you almost can't plan anything, you know. Now, you mentioned the O2 car, and I heard that. Uh, someone told me during the firecracker that Todd brought the O2 up to your place. Uh, pretty good car owner uh, and a really good body man. Uh, with the success you've had with him in the past, did he feel that it was just easier to have the car in your shop? I think it was kind of a mutual decision. Um, he'd had it up at Brian Doherty's from Integra Shocks, and Brian's busy doing what he's been doing and uh i don't think todd really wanted to have a truck and trailer anymore so it was just easier for us to you know it was kind of between brian and todd and myself and my dad and we just decided this would be the easiest option todd didn't want to race a ton and uh brian really didn't have any extra garage space anyway so it just kind of worked out todd's been a great guy to work for i'm super laid back and you know just i think he's in it for the love of the sport you know and uh Hopefully we can have some more success like we had last year, but I'm sure nonetheless we'll have some fun and, uh, you know, eager to get it out and see what we can do. The first time you won in the car, and I've known Todd for years, I said, uh, what does this, uh, what's in your future? He said, I think my future is going to be to have Michael in his car as often as I possibly can. So uh, what a nice scenario. Now, what is the history or what kind of a chassis and engine is in the O2? Well, uh, it's a Rocket XR1. I believe it's a 16 model, um, but it's, it only has a handful of races on it. Um, when he first got it, I believe Brandon Shepard drove it a couple times, and then I drove it, and then uh, Brian Burkhofer drove it, a, drove it a couple times last year, and it had a Chevrolet in it um, last year when we ran it, a Clemens Chevy, and now it has a Andy Durham Ford in it. Um, so it's really similar to what I have now, you know, just different colors. So hopefully it feels about the same, and, you know, I'll feel right at home in it again. But... It's really good equipment. I mean, it's second to none, and I really got to thank him for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, your crew works pretty hard, and I saw that. Like I said, I come down to visit with Dad. Uh, who are the guys that are on the crew and maintaining your operation? Well, probably the two biggest guys that helped me the most are uh, Dakota Brueggemann, who's going to be my brother-in-law here in a couple weeks, and then uh, Kevin Bittner, which uh, – his dad and my dad were friends, you know, raced at Lernerville way back in the day. And uh, he actually works for us at D&D, but he's one of them guys that's there every single night. You know, when you text him and tell him, hey, I'm working on the car, he'll be there, you know. And uh, I got a bunch of other guys. My Uncle Bernie helps a lot. Of course, my dad. And Jim Brueggemann, Dakota's dad, helps a lot. And uh, Mike Domino, he sponsors me, Woods Rod and Custom out of Freeport. But he comes out and helps a lot, too. And uh, Cody Burgad. Eric Householder. I mean, I'm I'm really blessed to have a bunch of guys helping me. Matt Keys. I mean, there's sometimes there's so many people there. I don't even have to do anything, <laughs> you know, and that makes me feel like bad as a person. I guess I don't like when people work on my car like that. But <laughs> you know, we're we're blessed for sure, and uh, it's cool to have a big group. You know, it makes everything easier. So. How about we thank some of your sponsors? 
Well, definitely D and D Auto Salvage and Millerstown Pick Apart. I mean, they um, pretty much, you know, it's more family than anything, you know. But got to put them on there anyway, you know. But uh, had a couple new additions: Corey Fox Trucking and uh, Beer Nation. Um, just, you know, that's the greatest thing about you know local racing is being able to highlight local businesses. You know, that's really the name of the game, and they've really stepped up and helped me a lot. I've known Corey for a couple years now, and you know, him and my grandfather used to run around truck pulling together. So it's, we all kind of become family, you know. And uh, Low Jack Yamaha, Gary Henry Racing Engine, um, like I said before, Woods Rod and Custom, um, ARS Coffee. I mean, Rocket and Integra helped me a ton to just um, set up support and part support. I mean, those guys are great. I mean, we've been with them for 11 years now, and, you know, you don't really see loyalty in racing very much unless, you know, the customer service and product is that good, and I think it speaks for itself, you know. All right, Michael, we're coming up on a break. Any closing thoughts, anything we haven't covered? I just got to thank my family you know most importantly my wife jesse and uh my mom she puts up they both put up with so much stuff with this racing and uh my dad and my sister and you know i'm just blessed to have a bunch of people behind me and looking forward to the rest of the year well michael i thank you for being with us uh, you have a nice evening thank you for your time thanks for everything you do for local racing appreciate it Number One Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania automotive sales and service. Today, Number One Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopoul. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochran when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochrane sales and service, go to Cochrane.com. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses from sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation. Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, PowerTech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. Lernerville Speedway is the action track, with racing every Friday night from April to October. Thousands of loyal fans flock to Don Martin's Lernerville Speedway in Sarver, PA. The excitement of watching drivers and their machines compete on a super-fast dirt track is exhilarating and habit-forming. 
Weekly shows include 410 Sprint Cars, Super Late Models, Big Block Modifieds, and Pro Stocks. Special events feature the World of Outlaws Sprints, the Don Martin Memorial Silver Cup, the World of Outlaws Late Model Firecracker 100, Steel City Stampede Modified Tour, Enduros, Kids Bike Races, Demo Derbies, and Bus Races. Make your plans to visit the Action Track on Friday nights. Gates open at 5 with racing at 7.30. Lernerville Speedway! Number One Cochrane Automotive began as a small Pontiac dealership in 1965 and quickly became the number one name in Western Pennsylvania sales and service. Today, Number One Cochrane Automotive ranks among the top private dealer groups in the nation with 22 new car dealerships with locations in Allegheny Valley, Butler County, Greensburg, Monroeville, North Hills, Robinson, the South Hills, Irwin, and Zelenopoul. Number One Cochrane can serve the transportation needs of Western Pennsylvania customers unlike any other retailer. The acquisition of Chevrolet, Toyota, and Nissan boosts Number One Cochrane's new vehicle operations to 22 dealerships, representing a great selection of domestic and imported brands. Their mission? Treat customers like honored guests while delivering unparalleled value and selection. That was the goal of founder Bob Cochrane when he opened the doors more than 50 years ago. And it's still their goal today. For additional information on number one Cochrane sales and service, go to Cochrane.com. And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri. Listeners, joining us this evening, a good friend of mine. I, I indirectly seem to see him every week, whether it's on Facebook or it's on Dirt and Dirt. One of the voices of Dirt and Dirt, Dustin Jarrett, welcome to Rapping on Race. And I, I'm not sure if we've ever had you on the show. If we have, it's been a long time. Just uh, an amazing thing what you guys do with Dirt and Dirt. And one of the things that Don and I have had an opportunity to do this year uh, in this craziness of the pandemic and COVID-19, we were able to take some of your broadcast and dirt visions and we would do a little two lap to go at the end of the race right. and it was what the announcer calling it and then we would do a victory lane ceremony because when we didn't have racing i racing was great but it, it it was kind of boring and then when we had racing with no fans and we want you to tell the listeners you know that experience because i'm sure it's crazy but you know dustin let's you know, talk about what you guys are doing at Dirt on Dirt this year, just because of the fact that when I talk to the drivers, and I've talked to Mason Ziegler, uh, Greg Satterley this weekend, Max Blair, none of these guys know, you normally would post up on your website, this is where I'm going to be right. for the month of July, the month of August. Right now, Greg and most of these guys said, I'm like I know week to week now. That's You're exactly right. It's been... Um bizarre surreal you know it's been all those things kind of wrapped up in one day it's it's we're in that same boat too like we don't know what's happening from week to week a lot of times and that's not anyone's fault right like it's just a a, a reflection of the society we're in the status we're in and, and everything else things have kind of settled in a little bit more now but i mean it's you know you, you look at the firecracker 100 at, at lernerville and, and that event came together in less than seven days you look at the um the dirt late model stream the replacement race at eldora and that literally came together in nine days 
And so kind of on a, on a behind-the-scenes end, and I know that you know this, but maybe for the folks you know listening at home, the, the stuff that, that on a broadcast side we would normally put together over the course of three, four, five, six weeks, right, to build graphics and to promote a broadcast and to get things set up, now we're doing in 48 hours or 72 hours. And, and then you might go through the whole rigmarole of getting everything done and set up, and then you can't have the race because someone's pulled the plug on it or, you know, they're not allowed to have fans or whatever. So it's been it, it's been challenging. Like I said, it's it's a lot better now that we've kind of gotten in a rhythm. Um, I'm personally the same way, though. I I I know uh, I know about what I'm doing for the next 24 hours, and that's about it. You know, Dustin, we were you know this live streaming. If you here at Lernerville Speedway, we're going to go live streaming here in the next. Well, I think it's already started, but it's going to be you know viewers across the United States can can sign on, but from Dirt on Dirt standpoint, and again, we're just covering dirt because there's some of the places there's they cover both dirt, asphalt, yeah. or whatever. With the pandemic, and I had a chance to talk to Tony Stevens last week from Pit Row TV, much like iGaming, where we knew it was there, during this three months where everybody was like locked down and couldn't do anything, that was the next best thing. Yeah. Now, with some of the races, well, we're going to go back now two months ago that we're live streaming. Uh, and I just want to get your perspective as the voice of Aldora Speedway. How difficult, and I saw your segment with Grinsby and whatever, to really sit there. And I've never been to Aldora myself. That's on the list. And, you know, you'll have to invite me out sometime. Mm -hmm. But to sit there and in the, from the driver's standpoint is one thing. Because they said, you know, you look and there should be 20,000 people there. Yep. And there's like nothing. And it's it's this, and that's eerie. And as a, a broadcaster, one of the things that we have to do is kind of create the picture. Yes. And we feed off, much like the drivers, we feed off the fans. And without the fans, it's not like your broadcast is, I don't want to say it would be generic, but it doesn't have that, like, you can't play. And I know Dustin and Jared and all these guys out there, Rick Eshelman, Johnny Gibson, you play to the fans. When you do that, it makes your excitement up. Yep. It, it makes the drivers' excitement up because, believe it or not, with the helmets on, they can still hear. We're like rock stars without a stage, right? Like when you're, you know, when you're a rock band, you feed off the energy in the crowd. And we said, you know, it, it's what would have happened? All the Scott Bloomquist moments at Eldora if there were no fans, you know, from there's no green light to, uh, you know, window net gate, all these other things. And, and you know, I even caught myself, the very first heat race that we had, uh, the stream weekend at Eldora, the first heat race winner of Thursday night comes across the scales. And I, and I caught myself saying, ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause. And I realized there were no ladies and gentlemen there to, to give a round of applause. You need the guys up in the booth that put that fake yes, sign that's coming in. Yes, yeah, the sound effects in the back background right but you know it 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 is this, this will probably sound really weird but the way that you announce a race is a lot different if you're doing it with 20,000 fans there versus if no one is there and and that you know you I think you said it best day where you almost have to paint a picture because look We've got some of the best camera folks in the world. we got some of the best technology in the world. The camera folks can hear what we're saying, et cetera. But in the same sense, those camera folks are looking through about a one-inch by one-inch black and white screen, and that's all they're looking at. They're not looking at the entire racetrack like we are, like the other folks are. And, and so when we um, mention something is happening on the racetrack, those guys and gals are good enough. They're going to get it 85%, 90% of the time. We know they're going to miss some things once in a while. We're going to miss some things once in a while. But 
to bring this back full circle, that's why it's so important to paint the picture and give folks at home the visual of, of what's happening. But it was it was really different to broadcast that race. It was really different. My preparation for it was a lot different. Um, and even beforehand, you know, I, I, I take a lot of pride in getting to a racetrack really early and talking to as many drivers as I can and getting stories and talking to their crews and, and everything else because a lot of times that process just takes three or four hours sometimes. And in Eldora, I mean, there were less than 400 people on the entire grounds. It was the driver and, and, and five crewmen. And so there was no standing around waiting in line to talk to a driver. There was no battling people with only 48 guys there. In about 45 minutes or so, you could make your way around the pits and, and be done. And so it was it was a very, very different feeling. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I had the opportunity to do it. No offense, I hope I never have to do that again. I hope that, that we are um, trending in the right direction to get folks there in, in September for the World 100. You know, we talk about live streaming, and it, I, I think with this downtime, and for all, all venues of live streaming, I know myself, it's something I was aware of, but when you don't have something and they take it away, or you have yeah. something and they take it away from you, and this is the only way that I can view it. So, I mean, I, I'm sure it's great for Dirt on Dirt, it's great for Dirt Vision, where you've you've opened up these new markets to people that you traditionally wouldn't see it. And in addition, there are some tracks like in Kentucky where, and, and, and you know, you, you deal with this on a daily basis, where they'll say, I will never, ever, ever, or be whatever, have a camera in my thing or live streaming yeah. well when you can't have fans and that might be your only source of revenue it's a viable option yeah you're exactly right I, and i think that that you know the big takeaway from all this has been that i mean we've all learned so much i mean the racetracks have learned what they can and cannot do the on the broadcast side we've learned some things that work some things that don't work drivers have learned that that uh, you know some guys that typically wouldn't unload for less than five thousand dollars have have been kind of humbled in a way over the course of the last two and a half months and you know now they're unloading for some of these smaller races and so i think that i think we've all learned a lot about ourselves in this we've learned that that there are um there are some things that that work in terms of a live stream some of these thursday shows have been really really good for us uh, there are some things that haven't worked as well and it's just you know it, this is all something that uh, thank god we've never had to deal with before and i hope we don't have to deal with again but uh but the fact that i think so many folks came together to put put resources together to put races on tv to make events happen i, I just i it, it's unbelievable dave i wish folks could have seen behind the scenes and, and just taken a look at some of the fire drills that happened to make some of these races happen i mean there were there were dozens of races that were going to happen that never did because they they got shut down or they didn't get the appropriate funding or they were planning on having fans and, and couldn't and so the scrambling that went on behind the scenes then just to try to get another race um, and again, that's scrambling from from the broadcast side, from a sponsorship side, from a lot of different ways. Uh, it was it was a fire drill every day for almost a couple months. I think that's a, one of the things that I, I've really taken out of this is we talk about uh, sports in general. Dirt track NASCAR was the first track or the first sport back with racing. But I, I think a lot of the people, United States Motorsports Association and World Racing Group and Lucas Oil, grassroots dirt racing has been one of the first yeah. that have had fans back into the stands in any numbers, and they're coming back in record numbers. Yeah, it, that's a great point. You know, Dirt on Dirt's parent company is Flow Sports. Um, you know, we have over 25 different sports verticals, and um, 
racing has really been the flagship for the last three months now, and, that, and that's nothing against any of the other sports. But as you said, there's just um, there are very, very, very few things in the sports world that are happening right now. Um, racing has been able to happen for a couple different reasons, and, and we're really thankful for that. And it's also it's opened a few um, it's opened a few new eyes up to racing as well. You know, it's it's some folks that that especially on the flow sports side that maybe only tuned in for wrestling or for track and field or for volleyball or something else. There were no other sports going on. They're like you and me. They're sports junkies. And because there was nothing else going on, they're saying, ah, well, let's check out this dirt track stock car race that is going on from Tri-County, North Carolina or wherever it is. And so some folks were converted there. It also, in that same sense too, David, it showed us something that you and I have known and that some of the folks out there listening have known, um, but, but not everyone totally gets. And that's the fact that the efficiency to run these shows just has to get better. You know, I mean, there were there were um, a lot of first-time viewers out there a couple months ago that after four hours or five hours in a program, they tuned out because they're just, they, you know, they, they've, I've, I'm a hardcore man. I check out after four or five hours too. So it's, it, it's, it's silly of us to think that a new race fan would stick around for anything longer than that. Um, so we, we, we're fortunate that a few tracks in this area, like the Lernervilles or Attica, Ohio, and places like that, they get it. They know that you got to get people in and get people out, and that you're not trying to sell tickets. You're trying, or you're not trying to sell hot dogs. You're trying to sell tickets to the next week. But some of these other places just have to understand that the days of running past 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night are, are way behind of us, and, and that um, if we do want the sport to survive in advance, we have to run more efficient programs. Well, Dustin, it's been great having you. I'm just going to leave you with this, maybe a th- quick 30-second answer. <laughs> Such a purist that you are, I mean, myself, how difficult it is to see the Eldora race not being a, a race with fans, but the way it should be. And now we're here at Lernerville when it's normally 100 laps and it's 50, but that's because of TV, and that's a good thing. But some of these races that are... Firecracker 100, Eldora, Dream. Those are the iconic races, and yeah. you have to make changes. And again, I guess what's the new word? The new norm? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I get both sides of it. You know, the, the purest of me likes the traditional Firecracker 100, and in, in the you know the uh, uh, World 100. Um, but there is something to be said about shorter distance races as well. Look, the the Dream, the World 100. Those will always be 100 lap races, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that those shouldn't be. But in the same sense, too, these cars and the technology in them, these cars are so stuck to the ground now, and and late models are at the same point sprint cars were several years ago, and the fact that it's getting more and more difficult to pass in clean air unless you get into lap traffic. And so um, in these shorter 50 lap races, um, you have to be more elbows up. There's no going out and just logging laps. And and so that's maybe a positive on the side of, of the shorter races as well. You can't just go out, run around, play a, a tire strategy game or anything like that. You do have to be elbows up. And look, Ricky Thornton Jr. proved it at Lernerville on Thursday night. He started 21st and got third on a 25-lap race and only had two cautions. And one was at the beginning of the race and one was at the end. And, and so he passed most of those cars under green flag conditions. And um, it uh, again, it, it, it I grew up much like you on the weekly grassroots stuff that had 20, 25 lap, 30 features. So the shorter distance doesn't bother me. The purest in me, though, also sees the other side of it. I'm like, yeah, sometimes I miss those 100 lappers, too. <laughs> well, we're not going to see it. We're going to see 100 laps. It's Total, 25, yes. yeah, it's 25, yeah, 25, yeah. and 50. And I think it's going to be an all-out war come Saturday evening. Well, Dustin, it's been great having you on Rapid on Racing. 
somewhere down the line this year, I'm sure we're running into each other. And uh, you know, best of luck with, with on your weekly schedule. Yes. And have have a good one, my friend. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate you guys and everything that you guys do, and keep up the good work. This portion of today's program is brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, Give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A. J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C. J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. All right, fans, joining us now is Christian Schneider, the driver of the number one. Christian, good evening. How are you? Good, sir. How about you? Good, good. You know, I can remember, oh, geez, maybe nine, ten years ago when you started out in the Young Guns, you were pretty successful there. How long, how many years were you in the Young Guns? Um, I wasn't in the Young Guns very long. Um I think we only ran like five to seven races. My my dad was always really quick to move me up because uh, we would do, you know, pretty good in, in the lower classes, and then uh, we'd move up pretty fast. It's, it was kind of the same for the hobby stocks. Um, we started in, I believe it was uh, 2013 or twenty end of 2012, I'm sorry, and um, I ran Ann Tomai's old car, and then the next year we built a brand-new car, and, like, I think it was uh, midway through the season or end of the season, we end up moving that car that we built to the actual pro stocks. Now, was that the Mach 5? 
Yes, that was yeah. the Mach 5. Yeah. Now, uh, somewhere along the line there, uh, I remember you picking up a win in the Super Late models. A little bit about that car and how that came to be. Um, like I said before, he was always really quick to move me up. He always wanted to, you know, he was always big on, you know, competition, and he always wanted to, you know, make me as good as I possibly could, my father. And um, we had a good deal with Steve Baker. He gave us his old car that he ran. It was a, uh, I believe it was a 2015 Rocket. You know, it wasn't the XR1, but it was very, it was a very fast car. And um, we won opening night, which was a, a pretty big thing for us. Um, you know, he never ran like a super late. Like he ran them, um, them. I forget what those called. Um, like the big block. You know, crate lates, or they weren't crate lates at the time. Semi-lates. Semi-lates. Semi-lates, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Okay. And then he ran those, so he never really, you know, with all the new technology and all the shocks like that, so we didn't really know how what we were getting into, but to win on first night out was actually pretty a big accomplishment for us. I would say so. Then this year uh, at Pittsburgh, you won an opening night again. Uh, 20, 20 some cars there. That's pretty impressive because the competition in that class at Pittsburgh, it's pretty deep. Yeah, I would I would say so. You know, um, like the top five uh, rush crate late model drivers at Pittsburgh usually run up front with everyone else that comes. You know, so like you got Ben Police, you got John Mullock, you got Justin Lamb. Um, the ninety J has came. You know, there's there's a bunch of good cars, and um, you know it's hard it's hard to beat these guys. So like that was a big accomplishment for us as well. You know, we had a brand. We finally got an XR one. This is the first year that I've ever been in an XR1. So we, you know, got our feet wet in that because it's obviously a lot different from the, you know, the blue-gray cars. But um, we got our feet wet in that. And like I said before, it was a big accomplishment to go out first night with a new car and win. It's a pretty car. Uh, The number, uh, it's interesting. How did that number, and then it's got a symbol goes with it. How did that number come to be? Um, Ken Manecki, the car owner, he actually has a company and it's called Maneki's First Top Automotive. Okay. So I guess he just initiated, like, you know, put it in, in with the number. It's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of different, funky, but it works. How did you get uh, hooked up with Ken? Um, long story uh, short, I'll make it. But um, We got time. Huh. My, yeah. My mom was a bartender back, you know, a few years ago, maybe like five, six to ten years ago. And her boss named Kelly... Kelly Maneki is Ken Maneki, my car owner's wife. I see. So kind of like, you know, he was around the area. He knew me in, in somewhat, like, he really didn't know me, and but he knew, like, of me, you know, from being out and like, going to races. And Ken raced when he was younger, so he was involved with it, and he knew what it was about. So he, he messaged, um, I think it was my mom, on Facebook and said, would I be interested? You know, he... He built a car, and he said he went out and drove it a few times, and he said he was too old and he was too rickety to <laughs> get in and out of the car to drive it, so he said he needed someone to drive. So I was really excited about it. You know, I uh, I was super pumped. What? And um, because with, uh, you know, with my dad and stuff like that, we really couldn't do it anymore. He had two kids, and, you know, I was going to college, and then, um, you know, he, he had two kids. So he it was just hard to... You know how racing is. Yes. You've been around it for so long. You know, yes. it's, it's it's the second job. So, Let's talk a little bit about your uh, time in college. Uh, when and where and what was your uh, curriculum? 
Um, I went to Pitt Johnstown. I got accepted in an engineering program, and I went to for mechanical engineering for two years. But I really just didn't like it. Um, it was it was uh, something that was, wasn't clicking for me. Like I had decent grades, and I just wasn't really enjoying it. But um, I like more being hands-on with things, so I just uh, I, I work as a, a diesel mechanic now. It's, uh, um, it's better, more hands-on. I work for my dad up in up in Ohio. Yeah. But um, so and your you know, dad college that, career was cut short. Your dad is Schneider Trucking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, my pap is Schneider Truck Incorporated, and then my dad is Schneider Auto and Truck. They're, okay. They're different. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, the reason you got involved in racing was through your father or your grandfather. It was definitely my dad. Definitely my dad. Yeah, he was a good runner. I remember watching him in the orange Mach Five. Nice car. Um, do you have a favorite driver? Maybe somebody that you watched growing up. Um, I've always liked Dale Earnhardt Sr. I've always respected him so much. Like he's always been a big inspiration, but. Recently, my favorite driver is Kyle Larson. I, I think he is absolutely insane on dirt track, and I just think there's no one better than him in a sprint car. And just watching him, I don't really like sprints, so to take it from that, and for me not to like sprints, for me to you know be fascinated with, with Kyle Larson, it's a pretty impressive. I think he's absolutely impressive in a sprint car. Well, you'll probably be happy. My prediction is next year he'll probably be at Stuart Haas, and he'll uh, more than likely either be in the 14 car or maybe the 10 car because uh, uh, Gene Haas, he's the sponsor, so he doesn't have to worry about any repercussions for uh, some of the things that Kyle was dealing with. Um, This takes a lot of work, and you seem to have a really good crew. Let's talk about your crew. Uh, my crew is my crew is great. You know, there's never a dull moment in with the crew. I got I got Ken. First of all, he's definitely the main man behind of what everything happens. He buses ASS all the time on this car. Like he works he works by himself. He, like he owns that automotive place and he works by himself. And you know, he buses ASS all week. And then he comes home and works on the race car. Like I'm in Ohio, so I can only get there like Friday nights and Saturday mornings. So he he pretty much. You know, does the car by himself, which is, which is crazy. But and then I got Paul Durat. He does. He worries about all the shocks and all the springs and all that stuff. And then I got um, Ski. We call him Ski. His nickname Ski. And uh, he he does a lot of fabrication for us. Always comes out. Always cooks. There's just a bunch of people. I got Jeff Frank. My stepdad Kirk comes out and helps. Um, my buddy Cody. My buddy Sal. Um, Olivia. You know the the girl the joy and. She, she comes out. She always does my helmet and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, there's just so many people that, that make it happen for me. I just, I'm so grateful for it all. Well, I've seen some of the Victory Lane uh, uh, photographs, and I believe you, there's never a dull moment there. Uh, how about the sponsors? In in, uh, in addition to Ken Manicki, uh, let's talk about some of the other folks that helped pay the bills. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, somebody who came on board this year is uh, Valley Electric. Um, that is that is the company my stepdad works for. Um, they just came on uh, this year, and uh, you know they've really never had their feet wet. But they gave me a shot and gave me a chance to give sponsorship, and they did, which is great. Um, the Rat built. Um, that's pretty much like you know Paul. Paul's cheesy, so he calls his. Uh, you know he does all the shocks and springs, so he does. Uh, he calls himself the Rat Built Company. 
I got Cole's Pub. That's uh, that's the bar that Kamenecki's wife owns, Kelly. Um, she sponsors us. Um, West Mifflin Collisions and then uh, Flicker Graphics. And I, I really got a shout out to Russ King Racing. Um, he's really helped me with the shocks and stuff like that because all this technology it's so hard to understand. And he he sits down with me and you know helps out a lot. I can't be more thankful for him as well. Any car that Russ King puts his hands on is a winner. He's just so good at what he does. He is very good at what he does, yes. Well, we're coming up on a commercial break. Is there any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to add? Um, no, I just I really appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, I'm delighted. Good, and I want to thank you for being with us and wish you good luck in your efforts at Pittsburgh and or any traveling you're doing around. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks again. You have a nice evening. This portion of today's program was brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. Adrenaline, cover to cover. Three great magazines have become one excellent monthly racing publication. Dirt Monthly Magazine. You'll get more features, more pictures, and more short track racing action in a new, massive, more than 150-page Dirt Monthly Magazine. Combining the best of Dirt Late Model, Dirt Modified, and Flat Out Magazines to create a bigger and better full-color monthly magazine with exclusive sections for each type of dirt track racing into this one monthly publication. Dirt Monthly will also include a special street stock and weekend warrior section. Dirt Monthly is all things dirt track racing. Exclusive features, loads of full-color photos, driver interviews, tech articles, and big event recaps, all in the one more than 150-page full-color magazine. For more information, contact 3Wide Media at 888-806-4611 or 3WideMedia.com. The Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway schedule is jam-packed again for the 2020 season. Every Saturday night through October, you can enjoy five big divisions of racing action and so much more. Each action event features the Deal Automotive Rush Dirt Late Models, the PPMS Pro Stocks, the Keystone Coachworks Hobby Stocks, the Four Cylinders, and the Young Guns. Add to that special appearances by the Rush Sportsman Modifieds, the Rush Wingless Sprints, the Buckeye Outlaw Sprint Series, and the 410 Wing Sprints. The 2020 season wraps up on October 2nd and 3rd with the 32nd annual Pittsburgher 100 featuring the stars and cars of the Lucas Oil Late Model Series. Gates open every Saturday at 5 p.m. with hot laps at 6 and green flag racing at 7. General admission just $15 for adults. Keep up to date with everything happening at Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Motor Speedway by following us on Twitter at PA Motor Speedway. On Facebook, it's Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And as always, find all the information about PPMS at ppms.com. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. Up to the Lionerville Speedway, and we're going to talk to Colin Burke, driver of the number 41. Um, nice looking car. Running pretty good, uh, but you didn't start here. Let's talk about how and when you got started in racing. So I got started in racing in 2013. My father and I built a street stock from the ground up. Uh, we were gifted a car, and we basically cut it down to the frame and redid it all. Um, and then we ran, I believe, five more years of street stocks after that. And then we moved up into the crate late models, which is where we're at now. Um, and we have a new Rocket XR1 this weekend. 
You know, Dad had a lot of success in all the different divisions that he drove in. Uh, when he offers you advice, do you take it, or is it a typical father-son thing where you want to argue? I normally take it. My dad's always right, and if you don't understand that, dads will always be right. Um, I've made some mistakes in my life and racing and stuff that, you know, I should have listened to him and I didn't. A <laughs> little bit about the car. It's a rocket uh, engine. Uh, the engine's a 604 crate engine by Brad Hibbard. Um, it's about a year old, runs really well. Uh, I have AED, AED competition fuel systems carburetor. They're a huge marketing partner of mine, and I really appreciate everything they do for me. When you're not racing, uh, going to school, working, what's your uh, what's your story? Uh, when I'm not racing, I'm actually laid off from my job right now, so I've been working around the shop trying to get trucks built and getting race cars done and you know just trying to get caught up on the to-do list around the truck shop. Dad has a trucking company. Uh, how many trucks does he have? Dad has two trucks, um, one one that he drives every day and the one that we're building for me to drive to go trucking for him full time and slowly take over the company. Let's talk a little bit about the people that help you pay the bills, some of your sponsors. Oh my. Beginning of this year, whenever I got this new car, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it because of, uh, you know, low money, you know, and, you know, lack of sponsors. And I got so many great sponsors this year. The Beacon Hotel, Tony Burke Trucking, Black Lab Tree Service, Henry Henry's Home Inspection and Pest Control, um, Mel's Place, Perfect Touch Landscapers, Houston Brothers Racing. Uh, Dan does a lot for me. He supported me from the very beginning of my career and continues to support me to this day. Um, Nuss Bomber Plumbing, Krill Recycling, and that's about it. Precise Racing Products, Shaper's Oil, and Hooker Harness, they, they're what get me to the track every week, you know, and they're the reason that we're able to build these new cars and, you know, come out and run these big races. I'm impressed. You didn't look at the car to do that. You just rattled those sponsors off. Most guys, hey, they say, wait a minute, let me look at the car first. Now I have to remember them. They're great people, and they all help me out in, you know, many different ways, you know, whether it's, you know, a pick-me-up during the week whenever I need it most or, you know, whether it's financial. You know, I have a couple sponsors that I can text during the week and say, hey, I need some tires, and, you know, they'll say, you know, hey, we can either buy them or split them with you, you know. So in that aspect, you know, anything helps. You know, I have sponsors that are as low as $200 on my car, and, you know, they all matter, you know, just as much as the big ones. Question I like to ask the guys. How'd you pick your number? So whenever I started racing street stocks, I ran the number 23, which is my father's number. Um, I kind of just went like went with that one day and uh, just kind of follow the family tradition. And I was trying to decide I wanted to switch to the number 41 to uh, remember my late grandfather that passed away. And uh, I decided to go to the 41 one day because I um, saw an omen one day when I was driving down the highway and it kind of made my mind up that I should be running the 41, you know, in remembrance of my grandfather. That was Jimmy Foss. Junkyard Jimmy Foss. Had a lot of 41s over the days. Good driver. And a little tough. He, he always gave me the, the business, but I came to expect it. Now, how about the crew? I know there's you and Dad. Who else? Uh, my fiance, she's the she's a huge help. You know, we're getting married in October, 
and she supports she supports me on days that I don't want to race anymore. She supports me on days that I want to buy more race cars and more race car parts. Um, obviously, my dad um, and a couple of my sponsors are actually going to come help us and work on the cars, which is cool. Um, and Austin Grawl, uh, he came on board last year at the Stampede, and he's been a tremendous help to us. You know, he's got he's got so much talent with these race cars that it's almost mindless for him. You know, and I really appreciate you know everyone that helps us because we have such a small crew. A little news nugget for you: Austin's dad was one of my students when I was teaching machine shop at Langley High School. Really. That must be how it got so smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thanks. We're talking to Colin Burke. I want to wish you good luck and uh, wherever you're at, uh, continued success. Thank you, sir. And I appreciate the interview. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, PowerTech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. Out of New Waverly, Texas, in his first Lucas Oil Late Monitored Series win of the year, it's Turbo Tyler! Man, it's taking you a long time to get here, but what a race tonight. How about that? To pass Jonathan Davenport there in traffic, and then once that caution came out at the end, you were gone, but congratulations, man. Finally got to Lucas Oil Victory Lane here in 2020. Yeah, I just want to thank Randall and Clint and Eric and everyone at Brest. It's, uh, it's just been a lot. You know, it's tough. This deal's not easy, but I honestly think we've had a better year as far as being consistent and uh, me doing a good job and everything's just going our way. Uh, we've had a lot of bad luck, so we're going to... Uh, you know, we're just going to keep digging. That's uh, we want to we want to get the orange spoiler, and we got a long ways to go. But this is a step in the right direction. What were you doing over there? You went up in the crowd. You had a lot of fans here for you tonight. What were you doing up there? Uh, the PA doesn't work for the yeah. race fans here, but uh, I mean, this is almost one of my homes. I stayed with Devin a long time, uh, racing outlaws. I've I've grown up here. I made many laps with Big Don. You know, trying to help me get better. And uh, this is my first competitive race here, which is crazy. I've made 10 million laps here and up on the hill and. Uh, I just want to thank the Moran family for everything they've ever done. Uh, I mean, this was my home shop for a while, and uh, this is just awesome. This uh, <laughs> it probably wasn't the best race in the rubber, but it was. Uh, I was just trying. I wanted to dive underneath Jonathan there, and uh, just McCready and the lap traffic yep. kind of got all messed up, and was able to capitalize. Yeah, I tell you what, have you been on the go kart track yet here? Uh, me and uh, <laughs> me and an unknown name. They can't. They get in trouble from their uh, driver there. We were up on the hill earlier today, actually making laps. So. It was a. Uh, I mean, this is an awesome crowd. You don't you don't oh, yeah. see many races like this. And uh, I was. Uh, I don't man. I was pumped. I was running second, just trying to keep my cool. Uh, had a super fast car. Uh, 
I really do just want to thank Eric, uh, Jeff, everyone at Best, uh, IRG, KBC, Andy Durham, builds an awesome motor. Uh, we got a winning edge carburetor on this thing. It's great. Basel Race Fuels, Integra, DJ Little Brian, um, Clint, he's hung in there. He thought we'd never win a race. Um, and then my mom and dad, uh, First Class Septic, they've, uh, you know, they, we're all one big family here. And uh, I just, I can't thank each and every one of them enough. Stephen Roberts, um, KBC, we got a we got new roof wraps. That's pretty cool. I tell you what, you wanted to stay green. You had that, we had a long green flag we had a little you know what four three or four cautions early on but you wanted to stay green did you want to get him trapped behind in lap traffic yeah i figured my best shot would be in lap traffic there and to be honest the cautions this whole year it seems like every time there's a caution it kills me so i'm glad it stayed green and then i'm, I'm glad we had that last caution there because they were all bottled up it was a uh, it was like daytona up there they were all on a line just yeah. ready to crash so um that last caution i just knew if i could i could restart off this bottom four better than anybody i think so i was just protected there and uh you know i run two pretty hard laps there in the rubber so it was uh it just worked out in my favor were you worried about tire wear tonight nah Presented Rapid on Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the eastern United States. Have a great week, and be sure to tune in next Monday for another installment of Rapping on Racing. Stand on it.